Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you heard all the rave about the new Quick Grill located inside the Be Quick Chevron on Veterans Boulevard? Come visit Be Quick Chevron along with Quick Grill, Be Quick Food Marts, your locally owned hometown convenience store, wherever you are. What is up on a Wednesday? I'm Brian Scott Rivy. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Wednesday edition of the Rebel Report. A lot of random stuff to get to today. Um, <laughs> probably some NBA playoffs. The uh, general proceedings in this FBI investigation into college basketball um, have been quite interesting of what's come out over the last couple of days. Some very scorching hot takes from that as well from people who just don't want to believe <laughs> Seth, the, uh, Seth, the FBI What was his name? Seth Davis? He had an opinion. Yeah, so we'll get to that. That's kind of mainly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Ole Miss kind of preview the end of the SEC baseball season. Um, so I don't know where to start exactly. I guess we can start with Ole Miss and then we'll kind of go elsewhere after that. Yeah. Sure. Ole Miss plays Southern Miss tonight at Trustmark Park. In, or no, no, excuse me. This game is in Hattiesburg. Pete Trustmark Taylor, yeah. Be there. yeah, Pete Taylor Park um, against Southern Miss. I don't think Ole Miss has announced the starter. I would imagine it would be Zach Phillips. That, he, they they've announced, announced it. it. Okay, well, it's which, on the game notes that he's the starter. So. Okay, so yeah, so Zach Phillips starting. Um, that's kind of what you expected, particularly with the way Gunnar Hoagland pitched last week and it's a game Ole Miss needs to win because they need to get to 18 conference wins um to have a decent chance to host and that would assumingly they don't assuming they don't lose any more midweek games and that starts tonight against a Southern Miss team that's playing much better than it was a month ago yeah yeah I don't I don't almost played them about a month ago and Southern didn't really show up there in trust mark I don't think you're going to get that same Southern team tonight I think it's going to be a team look Southern's the NCAA regional team they're pretty much consistently in the NCAA tournament, you're going down to a place that, frankly, it's one of the, uh, you know, I've talked to some people that have gone down there. They say it's one of, if not the most hostile environment Ole Miss will play in this year. Um, and it's it's going to be tough for Ole Miss to come out with a win. It's the same pitching matchup as last time. Southern's throwing the same kid that they threw in Trustmark. And Ole Miss got after him a little bit. But it's a big game. It's a top 50 RPI opponent, and it's a, it's a chance to improve your resume. And frankly, Ole Miss needs some, uh, needs some road wins to, to help that RPI get where it needs to be. Yeah, Southern won eight in a row, uh, or seven in a row, excuse me, eight of nine. They swept it middle over the weekend. Or no, they've won eight in a row and nine of ten. They won, they won two midweek games. They beat Louisiana Lafayette at home and then New Orleans and then swept Charlotte a weekend ago. Um, they've had some pitching injuries and some pitching depth issues, um, but Walker Powell has been really good for them. Ole Miss is not going to see any of that. No. But it's a game Ole Miss needs to win. Um, and then they head down to Baton Rouge for probably, I don't, I mean, if, I say this every week, but it feels like their most important series of the year because <laughs> they got to find a way to win five games in three weekends if they want to host. And if they don't do that against an LSU team that's a bit of a wounded duck, it's going to be tough because you're going to put yourself in a position where you probably got to go win two in a road series later in the, uh, two in yeah. the year. And LSU's best pitcher likely is not going to pitch. Palmineri said uh, Cole Henry's probably going to need another week off, so that moves Zach Hess back to Friday night. And Zach Hess is a premier arm in this league. I don't think he's a starting pitcher. So uh, I think Ole Miss is going to be better on the mound, frankly, in all three matchups this weekend. I think uh, I think 
Etheridge is better than Hess. I think Nikhazy is better than Walker. And I think Gunnar Hogland is either equal or better than Marceau. So uh, it's a series that if Ole Miss is ever going to win one in Baton Rouge, it's this one. Yeah, and we'll get into a little little bit more of that series specifically on Friday. But if you look at the finishing stretch of the teams kind of vying for the West, um, Ole Miss is not easy. Um, no. But everyone's like in a, in a in a weird way. Everyone's kind of the same. Um, sure. Like I, state has to go to A and M. State has to go to A and M this weekend and before coming to Oxford, and then they finish with South Carolina at home. So that's kind of a break. Well, the the thing is, Arkansas gets to play Kentucky this week, and they're going to get to make up some ground. That, that's what kind of thinks going to seal the West for Arkansas. Is they get to play Kentucky this weekend, and that's probably going to be a sweep. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's hard to sweep Kentucky when you've got Zach Thompson going. So sure, and it's on the road. Um, oh, is it okay? Yeah, so I believe that game is at Kentucky. Um, and then, well, I, I wouldn't hand it to Arkansas by any means yet. They've got to go to Kentucky, and then they have Florida. I mean, no, they excuse have- me. Then they have LSU at home. So right. like and then A&M. and that and depending on what happens after that, that's probably going to be a fairly desperate LSU team, and then they have to go on the road at A and M. So like that's not not that isn't a shoe in by any stretch of the imagination, because particularly A and M the last week, you assume they're going to. I mean, A and M's probably not going to host. Like depending on I guess what happens over the next couple of weeks, but like I they've got two of the last three on the road, and then the home one's LSU. I, I wouldn't hand it to them yet. I just think they have the easier finish with Kentucky is, is kind of why I would lean towards giving it to them. Well, shoot, State's got South Carolina. I'd rather play South <laughs> that's Carolina fair. than Kentucky. That That's fair. Yeah, yeah, because you don't have a first-round pick for South Carolina. Yeah, and South Carolina's just a mess. <laughs> and that's crazy. I mean, not to get too far off topic, they were, they were a win away from Omaha last year, and they are horrible right now. Yeah, and LSU's the only one out of the three out of the three that gets two home series to finish it off. So they get Ole Miss Funny and they go works. at Arkansas and then they play all and then they get two out of three. Like they get three at home against Auburn to close the year. So I don't know. I would almost rather have Auburn's path than anybody's because you, you never know what you're gonna I mean LSU, excuse me, because you never know what you're really gonna get out of this Ole Miss team that could play well or they could completely roll <laughs> over. Arkansas will be tough playing on the road, but at least you're directly making up ground in terms of who's in front of you if you're able to win, and then you get Auburn at home. I don't like that setup at all. I mean, State, well, Ole Miss, and Arkansas have to go on the road twice, twice to finish the year, and LSU only has to do it once. That's fair. That's fair. It's it's all, you know, I mean, Arkansas's got a two-game lead, but like you said, uh, they, they get an LSU team who LSU's kind of owned Arkansas recently, and they've got to finish the year at A&M. So uh, it, it's going to be tight going down the stretch, especially with a lot of these teams playing each other. Yeah, and Ole Miss didn't gain any ground with the sweep because Mississippi State and Arkansas swept. I believe Arkansas yeah. won six straight league games, yep. and I think – I think what's going to seal it for Arkansas if they do, in fact, win the West was not dropping a game to Mississippi State. Finishing it off that sweep created probably the separation that they're going to end up spending on on the end of this race. So if, I, I think if they do win the West, they'll look back, and that would be why. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was – look, Arkansas is – it's why all that series win for Ole Miss is so impressive because Arkansas doesn't really lose baseball games at home. Um, they're really, really dominant at home. I, frankly, I think the only games they've lost in the SEC at home this year are Ole Miss. They swept Missouri at home. They swept Tennessee at home. They swept State at home. So that that series win for Ole Miss and Fayetteville looks more impressive by the day. 
Yeah, and it sets up, depending on what happens this weekend for Ole Miss, that series against Mississippi State next weekend is going yeah. to be monumentous. And, and I mean, State could lose some lose some oil at A&M next week, uh, in this coming weekend, but, like, you figure State's sitting pretty good from a hosting spot. So, for State, that oh, could yeah. be for national seed, and for Ole Miss, that could be for, for hosting. I mean, that, yeah. that's literally what it come down could come down to. Yeah, and, I mean, look, we, we, we've kind of – you know, said it repeatedly. Look, this Ole Miss team's got to win five games to talk about hosting. I think if this Ole Miss team, if you look up in three weeks and or two weeks, whatever, and they're eighteen and twelve, I think they don't have to really do anything in Hoover. I think they're safe. Um, but anything below that, you're either not going to host or you're going to have to go on a serious, serious run in Hoover, Alabama, in the SEC tournament. Um, so yeah, like you said, it, it, Ole Miss is, to me, Ole Miss has got it. Obviously, the math kind of supports this. They can't afford to drop the both these series coming up. They've got to figure out a way to win one, if not both. Yeah, and if you're going to beat LSU for the first time down there since 1980, whatever it was, it was some year before I was born. This would be the <laughs> year to do it because you're catching LSU without one of its top freshman arms in Cole Henry. Presumably, I, I guess it's still a possibility that you could start, but doubtful. They've had some injuries. They haven't really found their footing. LSU's still right there, though, as Paul Maneri's teams always kind of are. He's a heck of a job. Yeah, and there's, I mean, they're thirteen and eight. Ole Miss thirteen and eight. State thirteen and eight. And L- the only tiebreaker to be had there in terms of head-to-head is LSU has it because they won a road series at State. O- Ole Miss will obviously play both of those teams in the next in the two next weeks. two weeks. So. Yeah. It'll be a fascinating race down the stretch. If Arkansas slips at all, then it'll really become fascinating because if Arkansas slips for like at Kentucky or somewhere this weekend, um, I mean, you could potentially have a scenario where you've got four teams that could win it in the last two weeks. Let me ask you this. Do you think, look, obviously you want to win the West, you get a trophy, all that. Do you think there's any significance from a hosting national seed perspective by saying, hey, we won the West? Do you, do you think that plays into anything at all? Because it's kind of hard to say if you win the West that you can't, and in the probably the best division in in college baseball that you can't host a regional. That kind of seems you know outlandish to me. Well, yeah, and I think they coincide though because if you won the West, odds are you've done more than enough to host. Like, like I don't think the West win. Like the West winner is going to have to get to nineteen wins more than probably. likely because Arkansas is already at fifteen. So, I mean, it's going to be have to be at least 19. So, I mean, you're not even really having a borderline hosting conversation if you're at 19 SEC. Sure. Wins. You're having a national C conversation at that point, probably. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And for Ole Miss, it's, I think it, I mean, it's fairly simple to where it's going to look at because they've hit lefties better, and that seems to be kind of balancing out a little bit, and a lot of that's because they pounded A&M over the weekend. But it's going to be what they get out of Hoagland and Phillips. Um, going forward, and I know Phillips is mainly pitching on the midweek, but just in terms of what they're getting out of the back end of their starting pitching is probably going to tell the tale for this team. That and whether Max Trophy or Houston Roth can be somewhat effective. That's probably yeah. what's going to be the difference in this team, hosting and not hosting. You know, I wonder, I don't know what you do just with with Phillips and Hoagland. I think you've got to figure out, and look, this isn't fair to Gunner after how he pitched last weekend, but I do think you've got to figure out which guy can help you more out of the pen because I don't think going down the end of the year that I, – I think Gunnar Hoagland and Zach Phillips are going to have to help your baseball team. So which one is going to be able to help you out of the pen more is going to be the question that, that you have to answer when you determine who's going to be that third starter. Yeah, and I think it's probably 
I don't know. Neither one had particularly been good with runners on base, but I'd probably lean Phillips. I think I would too. I, I would think he would probably be projected slightly better out of the bullpen than Gunnar Hoagland would. But I mean, I guess either or could work. Yeah. Yeah. I think Gunnar's made what one relief appearance this year against Southern. I think it went fairly well. I can't really remember. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that that's the thing. Like you, you can't just shut Zach Phillips down uh, after these midweeks, and you've got to find a role for him, whether that's the third starter or out of the bullpen, because he's been too good to just sit over there on the bench and do nothing. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how the play, this plays out. Like I said, we'll have Brody Miller on on Friday to talk of the LSU series, kind of finishing up or coming down the home stretch of this SEC season. Um, I guess elsewhere, it, the kind of the the main story, I guess, from a college athletics perspective has been this trial, basically, where you're having Christian Dawkins, and we've been over this before, all these guys testify in courts. Mississippi State's name was brought up in it. I believe they were talking that about That didn't recruiting. sound good, did it? No, but I mean, to be honest, if you're state, you're very low on the totem pole in terms of sure. what anyone's concerned about in this. The NCAA doesn't even have a representative attending these trials. Um, so I, I don't think much is going to come of it, but I believe the quote was they were talking about recruiting at Arizona or Arizona state or something. Um, and then the recruit, and then like the guy said against miss, like if you're recruiting, it's Mississippi state, all bets are all off. They're off. Yeah. So, I mean, read between the lines there. You probably, if you have half a brain, you know, what's going on. It was interesting just to see that randomly thrown out there. I don't think anything <laughs> will come of it other than the fact that, you know, it probably erodes moral high ground in terms of the pearl clutcher saying, a couple years ago, Ole Miss was doing 155. Yeah. Well, now you look pretty dumb because obviously yeah, Egg Bowl Twitter does it. was lit. Um, yeah, Egg Bowl Twitter. Like, if you want to, the quickest way to lose brain cells <laughs> is probably to participate in reading on the internet what Ole Miss and state people have to say to each other on Twitter. Um, it is in really, really enlightening conversation that sets society back probably oh, multiple centuries. A lot of anonymous accounts. Yeah, a lot of anonymous accounts, a um, lot of misspelled words, a lot of very limited vocabulary. It is quite something. Um, but point being, it's just it's interesting to watch this all play out. And then like most of these people, like like most like most rational people are like, yes, we understand this has been going on the whole time. No one really cares. But then you have take takes like Seth Davis, who covers the sport, <laughs> has for a long time covered it for CBS Sports, took a job with the Athletic. I Can he be crowned of the week? Uh, yeah, he can definitely be clown of the week because this was a scorching take. So Seth Davis, who I actually have read a lot um, at CBS, he's covered college a good basketball job. for a long time. Yeah, he's a smart guy. I just think he likes the sport so much he doesn't want to believe it to be true. So I want to make sure I have the tweet correct if the tweet is even still up. Surely he deleted it. <laughs> okay, here it is. No, it's still up, and it was still serious. No one hacked his account. It was not Dick Vitale logging in on Seth Davis's account. It <laughs> says, for two years, the FBI used every investigative technique at its disposal to dig into corruption in college basketball. And the biggest fish they caught were Christian Dawkins, Jim Gatto, and Book Richardson. Maybe the sport is actually cleaner than we thought. Holy that shit. <laughs> That is an opinion that you can have. I mean, <laughs> you've got agents hosting parties in Las Vegas to give money to assistant coaches that they deem worthy to steer kids in the direction <laughs> they want them to go in. You've got a guy, yeah, you've got a guy picking up a bag of cr- cash in Creighton clothing. 
And this guy's saying you the sport may be actually cleaner than we thought. So number one, I guess I, I don't even want to like dignify this with breaking this tweet down. But number one, that's not how an FBI that's not how this FBI investigation was shaped at all. They had three or four major targets. They're not targeting the schools. They don't care about the schools. They tried to get right. the coaches not to testify this thing. They don't care. They're using the schools as the victim. Like that's not their problem. They wanted to target these guys from wire fraud, money laundering, whatever it is, because these agents are steering kids to go to different to go to X school in return for money. So they highlighted three or four guys to center their investigation around. So. I guarantee you if the FBI's end goal, which it wasn't, was to say, hey, let's dig up every college basketball program that's cheating, they'd find every single one in less than a year. That's not what they were trying to do, though. <laughs> and so this guy is using the fact that they they caught the three or four agents or whatever you want to call these guys, their roles, that they wanted to and saying, oh, look, this is all they got. No, that's no. what they wanted to get, and they got it very easily. Yeah. Like you said, they could have gotten a lot more if they had spent the time. Uh, if the FBI ran the NCAA, there'd be a lot more efficiency in the pro- in the uh, product. I promise you that. Uh, so, like you said, I mean, look, they, they they centered their investigation around the guys they got. They didn't ex- they didn't exactly extend a wide net of trying to catch people, and they caught the people they wanted to catch. And now it's really the NCAA's problem. Yeah, I'm just it's 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 insane. Is it the NCAA's problem though? Because I don't think they're going to do anything with it. They I don't, don't have anyone present at these trials. Like what they're going to end up doing is what the NCAA always does is violently mishandle the situation. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to pick one school as essentially a sacrificial lamb and hammer them on behalf of everyone LSU. else. And everyone's going to get mad. And yeah, I think it's going to be LSU. But I don't even like I, I just I don't I don't believe anything's going to come of this. I mean, you're watching the underbelly be peeled back and all the cockroaches scramble in the light in terms of like the underworld of college basketball, and nothing's going to happen to it. Like nothing's no. going to change. No, why? I mean, why would the NCAA ruin their best product? Uh, their product that that's postseason brings it the most money. I mean, they just signed a TV contract that starts with a B in billion. Um, they're not going to change anything. They're not going to go after anybody. They may hit LSU because LSU's not Kansas. They're not Arizona. They can get they can hit LSU and everybody will go on, um, which isn't fair to LSU. But I think that's what's going to happen. And and they're not going to do anything. They're the NCAA. They're corrupt. And and that's just that's just kind of the name of the game. They're not they're not going to you know hurt the their their product by going after people and and, and punishing them. Well, yeah, and people, but the like, I, we keep getting, I can, we always get pushed back on the show. It's like, well, they have all this evidence. All they would have to do is lay it on the NCAA's desk, and they can prosecute whoever. But like, look around at all the major characters in this story. It's LSU. You know, Will Wade still has a job. It's Arizona. Sean Miller still has a job. It's Creighton. You know, Doug Auburn. McDermott still has a job. Auburn. Bruce Pearl still has a job. All of these people, all these athletic directors, are. In most ways, not stupid. They get paid a lot of money to do their job. <laughs> Obviously, they're under the impression that nothing's going to happen to this because Will Wade has been caught on a wiretap saying, basically, talking about strong ass offers, $300,000 payments, and still has a job. Obviously, LSU does not think anything's going to come of this. And neither does Arizona. And neither yeah. does Auburn and so on. So, like, it, like what is, what is the end game in this? What is the point? I don't understand. Like, what when this is all over, obviously, a few, you know, Assistant coaches and a few of these agents are going to be behind bars for really. Do you think an assistant coach actually goes to jail? You think Chuck Person goes to jail? Yes, Chuck, because Chuck Person, I'm pretty sure Chuck Person is awaiting sentencing. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. So you'll have assistant coaches go to prison, you'll have a couple agents go to prison, um, and then that's really going to be it. And like they just peeled back all of this for essentially no reason. 
<laughs> and it's not going to stop. That's the thing. Like, yeah, you're going to throw a few people in jail, and in about four years, I mean, these these top kids are still going to keep getting paid by somebody. They should be paid by you know the NCAA, but they're going to pay somebody, or somebody's going to pay them. So it's it's not going to just go away either. Yeah, no, it it it's not, and it and like I don't care. Like I don't like I find this fascinating watching it play out in a court of law where you can't lie, you can't plead the fifth, you can't destroy <laughs> evidence, you know, all of that stuff. But I mean, yeah, nothing's really going to change from it. But it's 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 fascinating watching it play out because you're hearing you know stories of three hundred thousand dollar payments or kids getting you know or assistant coaches going into hotel rooms to meet with these agents and everything you'd imagine how it actually works is exactly how it works. Without exaggeration, I mean, if Creighton's playing the game and you've got a guy in Creighton clothing picking up bags of cash, like that's you know who isn't doing it? <laughs> yeah, if if Creighton's not clean, then like you kind of implied, who is? Um, so it's I don't really think I don't really know what else can come out at this point. I kind of think it's it's kind of reached its surface level. Um, but you know, well, yeah, they it, could it, dig as deep as they wanted to. It's just a matter of who they want to bust and how much carnage has to come out. So basically, what they're doing is like they're busting Christian Dawkins, they're busting Butch, Book Richardson. If they have other people they want to bust, then there's probably going to be more schools inadvertently caught in the crosshair. But if this is all they, uh, this is who they zeroed in on, and the only people they want to bust, then it does probably stop here. Do you think they go into football? Because if they wanted to bust football, there, there there's some federal crimes happening there too now. But no, but no, it's, they're not going into football because you have Johnny Booster, white hair, who graduated in the class of '67, paying a kid. You don't have agents directly shooting sure. kids to schools, and that's the. But that's the basis of Do why not? the FBI went after it. No, you don't have I, I, you don't have third party agents being like, "Hey, sign here. You're going to get this shooter. You're going to sign with us when you go professionally." Like that. So the basis of what the FBI is calling a crime is not occurring, at least not in its purest form, in football. And so I don't think they're going to go into football. Okay, fair enough. I I, I just kind of think if they wanted to dig into football, they could find uh, something of not, maybe not to the ex- extent. I just kind of feel like they could they could find something. But yeah, I mean. But this trial is going to be – I'm fascinated with how the NCAA is going to handle this um, because, like like we kind of said, I don't expect anything to come of it. But, man, if you do nothing, there's egg all over your face. Yeah, but they've never cared about egg being on their face. They've no, never they cared about optics or anything. They don't have any, I mean, if they cared at all about optics, they would send an intern to sit there and pretend to take notes at the trial, but they don't even have anyone there. Yeah, the they, they – did you see this about the kid they deemed had to sit out a year at Virginia Tech? The uh, transfer yeah, over the the his mom's brain tumor. Yeah, and Tate Martell is immediately eligible. Yeah, I mean they the, you talk <laughs> like Borky was saying, talking about what bad optics is, and I'm just like, and he's not wrong. Like he was talking about it on the radio show yesterday, and he's not wrong at all. And it's a good point, but my kind of point was like, when has this organization ever cared about optics? I yeah, mean, they're no, literally fair. just dunking their head in the sand as a federal trial is going on, exposing the underbelly of one of their I mean, their their most profitable sport. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I mean, what bad optics isn't costing them money because they don't make no, of their course money not. It's making them money. They don't care. Yeah, I mean, if if bad opt like like if they wanted good optics and they wanted to uh, to go after these people, they'd lose money. So why in the world would they do that? Yeah, the only thing I could think of this being making this any different is the fact that finally, when this all says and done with the NBA, NCA doesn't do anything, and then afterwards they try to like investigate some other school for some separate incident, <laughs> and that athletic that athletic director is powerful enough to be like, 
this is absolutely ridiculous. You just ignored an entire federal investigation. Now you're going after me for X. Let me call all my buddies and let's secede from this. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> you don't you don't think some exemplary cooperation would happen at that point? I do not. Ole Miss is the only school dumb enough to try exemplary cooperation. <laughs> so how how did that work? It, yeah, I, you can ask them. Um, I would say, venture to say they would say not well. But point being is like the only way I can see that is if they, after all this is over, the NCAA operates the same way. And finally someone says, this is absurd. Like, like why do we need this organization? Because you really don't. You could you could create a separate – I mean you, you don't need the NCAA. Who has to be the first to do Because I don't think Ole Miss can be the team that says, you know, we're succeeding from the – we're succeeding from the NCAA. Who has to be the team that does – or the program that does that for it to actually work? It's not one. It's got to be one powerful AD forming a coalition, essentially, and just being like, get this guy in on it, this guy in on it, this school in on it, and then it all You think if Texas did it, it could work? Yeah. I mean, Texas would have to start it, but, like, I don't think if Texas just went out by itself, I don't think, like, they would have, like, they would need to do it knowing that other schools were going to follow. So, like, maybe there's, like, for estatement purposes, like, where you're, like, the sacrificial lamb where you say we're doing it first, but, like, that would have to happen with the full backing of, you know, Oklahoma or USC or someone quickly following suit. I feel like that's closer than it's ever been today, though. Like, I, I feel if, if I made you guess, is the NC still around, NCAA still around in 30 years? No, I don't. Or, think so. I think it's at least changed in, in, in a way. Yeah, and so maybe this trial, when everyone says what's going to come of it, nothing's going to change. Maybe nothing directly, but. You know, maybe just the sheer, I mean, really what it is is just making a mockery of the system. And sure. so, like, because no one, no one actually, unless you're willingly naive, no one was, like, sh- appalled that this is going on, unless your name is Mike Krzyzewski. Um, <laughs> like, no, no one actually his. is surprised by any of the happenings or, or, like, learning any really new information. It's just making, like, at what point does even the average fan who eats up the sham that is college athletics kind of look around and go, this is stupid. Like, let's do this a different way. <laughs> like, that's, that's the only thing that this is shedding light on, is how incredibly stupid this whole process is. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, it kind of brought everything to light. And and now people kind of see college basketball for what it is. And, and I'm not necessarily saying – like, I don't want the misinterpretation that I think it's wrong. These kids are getting paid. Absolutely not. Um, but you're bringing to light what people have to go through to get these kids money. And they're literally committing federal crimes to do it because the NCAA sits on their throne of laurels and, and will not pay these kids. Yeah, and then you had well, – there was. A, I don't have the exact report in front of me. I was trying to find it, but you had a guy that dipped into his retirement fund as an assistant coach to pay for a player. That is a – talk about doing whatever it takes to get the job done. I respect God. that. I respect that, that. It just seems dumb, though. Like, <laughs> you're not making the money a head coach is. If you're even your high-level assistant, you're making low six figures, and you're paying that kid with no, like, guarantee that he's coming to your school and no guarantee that you're going to be reimbursed for it. And even if he does come to your school, how do you see the return on the investment directly? Yeah, the program does better, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to get move up the ladder and get a better job. I would want a more direct return on my investment if I'm going to tap into my retirement fund to go pay for a kid. I wonder if uh... – I wonder if there was a, a promise of reimbursement there, though. I would think at some point, but if there's a promise of reimbursement and all these schools have these funds ready available, why would he need to dip into his retirement fund? Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's certainly fair. Yeah, I don't understand how that works. Like, I, like, And how do you run that? I mean, I'm assuming the guys may – I mean, I guess I'm, I'm 
making a big assumption here, but if the guy's married, like, how do you run that by your wife? Like, yeah, Funny. I'm going to take 80 grand out here, but this kid's got a sick jumper. Like, I don't understand. How does that, <laughs> like, I, how do you, how I does that I conversation go? I don't know if my future wife would like that very much. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's wild. And I do we know who that person like, was or was that just reported? Um, let me see if I can find it. I didn't want to do what bad radio, bad podcasting. That uh, air, yeah, yeah, whatever it's called. No, it's fine. I just, I just didn't know if like they had it as an anonymous coach or whatever redacted. Um. No, oh, well, that's fine. Yeah, I googled assistant coach <laughs> retirement. Fund. Oh, it's ex Arizona assistant book book Richardson. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Said he was making. He said he was nearly broke despite making two hundred fifty thousand a year because he was paying using so much of his own money to pay recruits. Well, that's My just stupid. God. Book. Yeah, that's just stupid. Not, what kind of direct return on investment is that? That's not guarantee you're going to get another job. That's not guaranteeing the kid's going to come to your school. I mean, that's. I mean, I get the the loyalty and all that, but my God, people are like, <laughs> like how are, how do you can you argue college athletics is an occult when you've got employees of the school just dipping in the retirement fund to pay kids to win games? Arizona not got like you know a booster or two or three that can pay these kids. Yeah, I just I I don't I I don't know. It is it is insane to me, but <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, really not a ton going on elsewhere. You had the NBA playoffs last night. The Bucks even the series with the Celtics. Excuse me, one yep. one. Then the Warriors went up 2-0 on the Rockets. Giannis went for 29, I believe, last night. Um, the Bucks played much better defensively. They're 27 of 40, 20 of 47, excuse me, from the three-point line. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a game they had to win. Like, if they lost that, the series is over. I think they'll win a game in Boston. I think the series will go six or seven. I don't know who's going to win it, though, because if Boston defends the way they did in game one, uh, like, there's no second there's no real second score for the Bucks. Like you're not going to convince me Chris Middleton can get 25 <laughs> in the second half of a playoff game when your season's on the line. Like, I mean, I'm not saying you can't do it, but there's not been enough proven. So I don't know who's going to win this series because Boston top to bottom has more talent, but the Bucks are probably a little bit deeper roster. And of course the Bucks have the best player in the series by far. Yeah. And, and the Bucks shot extremely well. That 20 of 47 was, I think 20 of 42 at one point. Um, they missed their last five, I believe. So it, um, if, if they shoot like that, they're going to be a problem for throughout the whole series. The issue is I don't really know if they can continue to shoot like that. Like you said, they defended Giannis really well in game one. I thought they actually defended him well last night. He just kind of is the best player in the East and one of the best players in the NBA. So he kind of is going to get his at times. So it, it, that that series is going to be one of the more fascinating ones going forward. I think yeah, I think you're right. It's It's kind of a coin flip as to who's going to win that one. Um, then the Rockets go back to Houston down 2-0. Harding got poked in the eye last night. That game didn't really have much rhythm or flow with it afterward. I to it really took from beginning to end. I don't know what the Rockets do because these Warriors have like I think the Rockets are close, like as closely talented as the Warriors in every every capacity, but I just don't know what you do. Like the Warriors haven't really played well in either of those games, and now they're heading back to Houston up 2-0. And I, I'm just not sure if I believe the Rockets are going to win both of those. And then if it's 3-1 and you got to win two in Golden State's building, you, it's over. 
Yeah, I think it's over now. It's like you said, I, I don't I don't think Golden State's gonna go winless in Houston. Uh they're too good, they're too talented, they'll they'll win a game and then like you said, they're gonna they're, they're the Rockets aren't winning two and Oracle. And we're gonna have Golden State back in the finals because Denver nor Portland can beat them. Yeah, and it's been interesting to watch the transition of from like it it being like the Warriors kind of being more balanced and it kind of being Steph Curry's type of team to the point where it's Kevin Durant. Every time they go down the floor, they're throwing it to him. Nobody can guard him. He's probably the best player on earth right now. I would go. I would say he's better than Giannis just because of the sure. shooting, and he is doing stuff that you can't guard. I mean, he's shooting yep. over people. He's doing stuff that you literally can't guard. I don't know what Houston does about it. Uh, it hasn't helped that Clint Capella has been awful in the series for Houston, um, who was kind of the difference maker last year and kind of why they had a chance. So I don't know what Houston does. I, I think they might be sunk. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that series is, is for all intents and purposes, over, uh, which is kind of a shame because I thought it was going to be competitive, and, and frankly, it's just probably not going to be. Um, Then you've got Denver-Portland game two tonight. Yep. Um, yep. That series is going to be like a different world every time the team step on the court. I think I still like <laughs> Portland. Denver played really well the other night. Jokic has at least shown that, like, he can kind of be more of an aggressive scorer down the stretch, which is what playoff is all about. Is You have a guy in the last three minutes can get a basket every time down, no matter what. Because so much of Jokic's game is giving it up to everyone else. He's the best passing big man in the NBA by far, sure. maybe in the last decade. But he at least showed the, like down the stretch in that game one where he's like, I can score, not at will, but like he was way more assertive offensively. Um, Lillard did not have a very good night, but I still, I still kind of like Portland in the series. Okay, that, that that's fair. I, I think I like Denver, but I, I mean, if, I think it's going seven, honestly. Um, and, and I know you would think that that Portland would probably have to win it in six. That's kind of I think it's going to go seven, and Denver wins a game seven. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of two teams that have drastically different styles, but they, they're probably on the same playing surface. I mean, they're, they're probably equal in talent. Um, Jurkic is one of the best. He, he's extremely fun to watch. Uh, just from a viewership standpoint, I enjoy watching him play basketball. And and going forward, I kind of think I kind of think he's going to be obviously the the difference maker for the uh, Nuggets in this series. And if Murray, you know, he he plays well, they're they're really kind of tough to stop. Yeah, they are, and it'd be an entirely different series if uh, Portland had Nurkic because they don't have anyone to guard Jokic on that other end. Inez Cantor is really good offensively, even though he has a banged-up shoulder but offers absolutely nothing defensively for them, and that's not really what he's been as a player anyway, so it's not really you can't really fault him for that. It was a really good pickup because he got bought out by the Knicks in February, and they picked him up for no for nothing. Like they didn't have to give up anything for him. Right. But like if they if if I wish Portland still had Nurkic because this would be an entire different series he'd be able to guard Jokic better and honestly I, I would probably have picked Portland in four in five or six games if they had him but they don't and obviously it's way different um the best series will probably end up being um Philly Toronto I think that'll go six or seven it's one one game three of that series I think is tomorrow night in yeah. Philly yeah. um but that's gonna be fun I don't really have a feel on that one I'm gonna go Philly just because they have more talent um but aside from that i yeah, I, I, I've got nothing on that series. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I think if you wanted to base it on talent uh, alone, you, you would take Philly. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you, you tell me either team wins that series, I, I'm not going to be shocked at all. Yeah, so there are a couple more games this week. You don't have a two-game night until Friday. You have game three of 
what, Philly, Toronto Thursday, Tomorrow, and then yeah. I think you got two games Friday, so a lot of NBA playoff action. Um, that's about all I've got for today. A little bit of a shorter show, but we'll be back at it Friday with Brody Miller. Do you have anything else? That's about it. All right, well, we'll be back at it Friday with Brody Miller from NOLA.com. He'll talk some of the crazy stuff that's been happening at LSU. Of course, <laughs> Ole Miss baseball preview should be a lot of fun for Brian Scott Rippey, or for Colin Brister, excuse me. I am Brian Scott Rippey. We will see you on Friday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.